Welcome to the Liberty Podcast. We're so excited that you're interested in the teaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church. We're a multi-site church that exists to share the love of Christ across Northwest Indiana. If you're looking for a church home, please check us out at our website, findliberty.net. Thanks again for joining us as together we're transformed by the teaching from the Word of God. Well, good morning. How are we doing in this days where the weather doesn't know quite what to do, where it's beautiful one day and it's awful the next day? What was that stuff that fell out of the sky called yesterday? That was fun. Um, well, good morning. My name's Dave. If I have not uh, had the opportunity to meet you, I'd like to be able to, to do that. I serve here as one of the pastors, and this morning we get to open up God's Word together. So if you have your Bible with you, um, open up to Luke chapter 5. We will be finishing out the chapter, Luke chapter 5, um, this morning. So this is a continuation of the conversation that took place last week in the passage in verses 27 through 32. And up to this point, In the Gospel of Luke, we have met Simon, who will become Peter, brothers James and John. Last week, we met Levi, who will become Matthew, the Gospel writer of the first Gospel. And from um, the books of Matthew and Mark, Andrew is also there. He can be included in that group. So the first disciples are two sets of brothers fisherman, and a tax collector. And this group of disciples um, either smelled like fish or they were up to something fishy, like a tax collector. This morning, uh, the text that we dive into, um, Jesus and the Pharisees are having a conversation. And uh, without further ado... Let's read the passage. This is the word of the Lord. And they said to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece, of, a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says, the old is good. This is the word of the Lord. We have three points to today's sermon. Um, You won't see them on the screen quite yet. We'll go through them one at a time. We are going to meet the party-booing, new-neighing Pharisees 
in point one, we are going to then meet the party-fueling bridegroom, a.k.a. Jesus, and then round off the morning with Jesus, the new bringer. Point one, the party-booing, new-neighing Pharisees. Neighing as in no, not like the horse, okay? Um, New-knowing. Now, I wanted to put, like, I wanted to think as I was making this first point, I'm like, it's party pooper, right? Every, nobody wants a party pooper. But um, there's a difference between saying party pooper and having it written on the screen. Um, so, to, so it says booing, all right? But we, we might have the agreement that it, it really should say pooping. All right. Um, <laughs> But I don't want it up on the screen for so long. Um, so party, booing, new neighing, uh, Pharisees. Verse 33, um, and they, the Pharisees, said to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours eat and drink. So there's this group of Pharisees that are talking, and they include John, and this is John the Baptist, and the followers of John the Baptist, they have taken up the practice of fasting and, and offering prayers, and they're like, even our disciples, the disciples of the Pharisees, we fast and we pray, but yours, they, they're eating. So last week, we were looking at the passage and the, the issue that the Pharisees had was that they were eating with tax collectors and sinners. And this week, they're questioning the fact that they're eating. They're just questioning, how can your disciples eat and not fast? Now, we need to understand something. The Old Testament in all of its requirements, and the Pharisees are holding to the first five books of what we would say the Old Testament, the Torah, it only required one day for fasting. And that was on the Day of Atonement, a day in which the sins would be forgiven and with the shedding of blood of a sacrifice. That was the only day in the Jewish year that fasting was required. Everything else was voluntary. So they could focus on um, things of God or express, expression of mourning. Like there could be a death. There could be a defeat. There could be um, a time that they were seeking repentance and they would choose to fast in that time. But one time, throughout the course of the year, was fasting required. And the Pharisees, what they had done, the Pharisees were a group of people that were um, organized around 165-ish, give or take five years, B.C. And over time, they had established that um, fasting was appropriate to do twice a week. And it was something that was mandated or something that was, this is a must. They had turned a you may into a you must. So on Mondays and Thursdays, the Pharisees would fast. 
Fasting was a way to earn merit with God. It was a way to build up your self-righteousness. So the Pharisees having turned a you may, a voluntary thing, into a you must for their disciples, legalism goes in. And what was originally intended was, here is what the law says. And they're like, so here's how the law is applied But what happened is that in the application of that, that became the new law, other than the original words that were written. They're saying, all right, and this is how you abide by it. These are some good parameters. These are some good guidelines. That became the law itself. You understand what what the difference is in that? Jesus did not oppose fasting. We know that back in chapter 4 that we looked at earlier in this study. He didn't oppose fasting because he fasted for 40 days. 40 days in the wilderness. He fasted, so Jesus is not opposed to fasting. But he is opposed to a fasting that is for the sake of being seen. In Matthew 5, as he, um, as he addresses the religious leaders and like, you guys just... you. You fast and you make your faces look gloomy, like you do this and you go around and parade and so that everybody knows that you are fasting, like they fast to be seen. He despises that type of fasting. So again, in last week's passage, we see the Pharisees grumbling about who the disciples are eating with. And this week we see them grumbling about the fact that they are simply eating. The Pharisees think that they are speaking in the place of God himself. After all, their righteousness was pretty obvious, right? They're entirely missing the point that God in flesh was standing, well, probably probably sitting right in front of them. Totally missed the fact. And what's really going on here is that the Pharisees are not asking why the disciples of Jesus are breaking the Old Testament law, because they're not. They're not breaking the Old Testament law. They're asking why the disciples of Jesus weren't walking in line with their own man-made version or perversion of the law or their tradition that they had set up. Party booing, new neighing, Pharisees. What's Jesus going to reply? How is Jesus going to reply? Well, I think this next point kind of gives a little insight. A party fueling bridegroom. And Jesus said to them, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them. It's a pretty straightforward phrase. Can you make, like, if you're at a party or if you're at a wedding, like, are you going to choose to not eat when all of the stuff is laid out in front of you? No, you're not. When you go to a wedding, you're going to live it up. You're going to say, yes, 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 shouldn't, but yes, probably not, but yes, okay, you are going to enjoy that feast. You are going to put all of the calorie counters on hold 
and you are going to say, these calories don't count. This is worth it. We are celebrating. And Jesus is also saying something much more profound other than like, hey, we're at a party, so we're going to party like we're at a party. He says, when the bridegroom is present, Jesus is saying, I am the bridegroom. And when we look in the Old Testament, we see God referring to himself as the husband of Israel. And Jesus is saying, I am that bridegroom. He's saying, I am the one that was foretold. I am the Messiah. I am the deliverer. I am the redeemer. And when I'm here with you, eat. And then in the same phrase, he says, there will come a time when the bridegroom is taken away. This is one of the first times that Jesus shares about his pending death. So he's like, I'm here, let's go, but there's going to be a time. And we can see that in the book of Acts, that the church would fast. We can see that in other passages of Scripture where Paul tells us to fast. We can see that in other passages where fasting is a part of what we are doing from in the the period that we call the um, already but not yet, as we are waiting to be united for an eternity with the bridegroom. There's voluntary fasting. My phone is keeping on turning off and it shouldn't do that. Otherwise, we're just gonna go too long. There we go. I don't know. All right, party fueling bridegroom. We're already to the third point and we're 12 minutes in, I'm sorry. All right, third point. Jesus, the new bringer. We're going to settle here for a bit, though, okay? We're going to settle here. So as Tim says it, here's the third point. I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to sit down, and then he takes like 15 more minutes, right? So we're going to do that. That's you. All right. <laughs> take, yeah, take my seat. That's what it is, right? Um, it's okay. And he tells them a parable. So the first, the first portion of this passage seems to make pretty clear sense. The second part of this passage is just kind of weird, right? It's just kind of weird. And Jesus said to them, can you make, um, I'm sorry, here we go, no one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new and the piece from the new will not match the old. So imagine a new pair of pants, all right? in an old pair of pants. The old pair of pants has a hole in them. Okay? Got that? Has a hole in them. And imagine now if you cut a piece off of the new pair of pants to patch the old pair of pants, it's not going to look right. You're going to have a you're going to ruin the new pair of pants, though there are some individuals in this room that would be okay with the holy pants, all right? But for the sake of this illustration, you're not included, all right? You have a hole in the pants and they're ruined and trying to match it up to the old one, it's not going to work. 
So when we hear new and old as Christians and as followers of Jesus, there are things that will come into our mind naturally. We think of New Testament and Old Testament. We may think of new covenant and old covenant. We may think of new man and old man. But I I don't want us to back away from the passage too much. I want us to stay in the passage and see that Jesus is having a conversation with the Pharisees. And let's look at specifically what I believe that he is saying to them. At the time that Jesus is having this conversation with the Pharisees, the Pharisees have been around by name for roughly 200 years. Their teachings and their followers, it's it's old, it's established. And Jesus and his disciples are new on the scene. Jesus and his disciples are new on the scene, and as Jesus, his teachings don't seem to match up with what the teachings of the Pharisees are, Jesus is saying, there is no way that my teachings can fit onto your old garments, your religion that you think is Judaism isn't Judaism at all. It's a fabricated self-righteousness and my new garment has no part with your piety and legalism. So we have the, the Pharisees who are saying just about fasting. You're going to fast on Monday and you're going to fast on Thursday. Jesus is over here like When the bridegroom's with you, you don't fast. Does it give a little bit more explanation to when Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus, let's not miss what he's, what he's doing. He is coming to fulfill the law. He is the Messiah. He tells him that he is the bridegroom, They have God in flesh standing right in front of them, and they're missing it. While Jesus is referring to himself as, or his teachings as the new garment, Jesus is anything but new. Jesus is the ancient of days. Jesus was present before the foundations of the earth were laid. Jesus was present in creation. And in Genesis, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel was a whisper of Jesus. Jesus is saying, I am actually coming to fulfill 
what you are seeking and you're missing it. They had placed so much extra on top of what was asked and expected that they missed the Messiah right in front of them. He says, and no one puts new wine into old wine skins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wine skins. Okay, so as I've read this passage growing up and, you know, listening to it as a kid, uh, this is kind of what I imagined the wine skins looking like. Like this, like they're nice, Right? It's like you could go to um, like Gatlinburg and get one, something like that. Um, I don't know why Gatlinburg came to mind, but it just looks like it. It looks like it's in a Gatlinburg store. Um, They were actually made out of like the innards of animals. Check this out. Next slide. That's what they looked like. Yeah. Um, I think that's an old one. I'm not sure, but there's dust on it, so I think that's an old one. So so what happens is that when um, wine is put in, when the juice is put into the the new skin uh, and the yeast is in there and and the fermentation process begins, it expands and it stretches the skin. And when it reaches that right point, they're like, all right, we're good. So if you put new wine in that old wine skin, it is expanded all the way that it can already expand. And if it's going to expand anymore, it's going to burst. Jesus is saying, you can't handle me. Your old wine skins can't handle me. Jesus fully knowing that his blood will be spilled out itself. My wine is new and it needs new wineskins. My teachings will burst your teachings again. They're not on the same level. You're about external appearance. I'm about internal heart change. But let's talk about this. Where was Jesus when the foundations of the earth were established? He was there. Where was Jesus when the word of God was given? He was there. Jesus is the word. But because Jesus is describing himself as new, again, it does not mean that he is new to the scene. He has been there forever. And verse 39 can be a little bit tricky. He's saying, and no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says the old is good. So a lot of different interpretations. But I believe that what Jesus is getting at is like the people who have grown up. And as we have grown up in the ways that we are used to, 
the old system of the Pharisees that they are used to. Around for 200 years, they say that the old is better or the old is good enough. There's a reason that the people that Jesus has following him are the people who they are. Let me say that again. That makes no sense. There's a reason that Jesus' disciples are who they are. They're the outcasts. They're the fishermen. They're the despised tax collectors. Because they might not be entrenched in what the old is. Jesus is seeking the individuals that are going to follow him. Jesus is seeking the individuals that are going to follow him. There are things in my life and there are things in our lives that if we are honest with ourselves, we hold on to not because we think that, there are things that we hold on to and we almost equate it with what Jesus says, but it's not what Jesus says. We can have our preferences in areas and say this is the way It's our way. It may be our way. As we follow Jesus, following Jesus includes a surrender. Following Jesus is opening our hands and saying, all I have is yours. Following Jesus, the burden is light. His yoke is easy. But but we have to get out of the way. It's a surrender. The battle between my own desires and the battle between what Jesus is leading me into and what the Spirit desires is surrender, a surrender. So Jesus is having a conversation with the Pharisees, but let's back out a little bit because there's some words that we want to look at. And then I promise I'll say this and then I'll take my seat. (laughs) Jesus is talking to the Pharisees about garments we can hear that word, and I can't help but think that Jesus, the, the, what Jesus has done through his life, and then when he gets to his death, and then his burial, and through his resurrection that we celebrated not too long ago on Easter Sunday, he has made a way for us to experience forgiveness, 
to be justified, to be reconciled, and to be made righteous. Those are some big words, okay? But let's think about this, the garments. Jesus, because of what he has done, we are able to be clothed in his righteousness. We are able to be clothed in his righteousness. And as Romans 5 says that because of what Jesus has done, we have peace with God. So that when God looks at us, though we are still sinners, we are forgiven sinners. Though we still make mistakes, we are forgiven as we, as we seek and find Jesus. And as Jesus seeks and finds us, we stand forgiven at the cross not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done. And he gives us garments to wrap ourselves in so that when the father looks at us, what he sees is not our sin, but the righteousness of his son. He doesn't see us for who we are. He sees us through what his son has done. And we can hold on to some things at times. And if we are not careful, we may become like the Pharisees in some ways. That we can hold on to things that say, this is the way that it must be done. This is the only way that we can do this. And Jesus is like, just follow me. Just follow me. And it's all of us, open hands, surrendered. All of us seeking after Jesus. All of us encouraging one another. All of us following in the footsteps of Christ. Clothed in his righteousness. And there's the wine. In the upper room, Jesus, you know, years from this moment that we are looking at in Luke, Jesus would meet in an upper room with his disciples. It would be the night that he was betrayed. He would take the cup and he would say, this represents my blood that is shed for you. And not long after that, he lived it out. He lived it out. And not long after that, Jesus himself was pierced and blood and water burst from him. Not long after that, Jesus made atonement for our sins. Jesus is anything but new when it comes to being around and on the scene. But to these Pharisees, his teaching is totally new. They missed it. They missed the fact that Jesus, God in flesh, was right in front of them. What are we, as we leave, as we leave, question the take with us. Is there something in my life that I am holding to as either like this is a must, this is a non-negotiable, hands out, 
open hands to Jesus. And Jesus may say, yeah, keep it. Jesus may say, I'll take that from you, but you can keep on following me. May we do that with humility, and may we do that with love towards one another. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the words of Jesus to the Pharisees. Thank you that we are able to be clothed in your your son's garments. Thank you that the wine was broken and spilled out for us. And we have peace with God. We are able to have peace in God. God, we love you. Amen. Thanks for being with us today. If you'd like more information on our church or a place to connect, you can check us out on the web at findliberty.net.